Hi, this is Lino, host of Crib Wolf Talks. I would like to believe that people in general would like to see every adult with special needs engaged in our communities, be socially inclusive, and if not in a group home right now, residing someday very soon in a safe, socially inclusive, supportive, and somewhat sustaining residential housing community. As we have said many times on this program, we are all enriched when all members of society can live and thrive regardless of their intellectual and developmental capabilities. What is also very important, and a positive growing sentiment amongst caregivers and government agencies, is that independence is of great importance to the individual with developmental disabilities. An individual with developmental disabilities must be involved in deciding where they would like to reside. It's their life, and their voices must be heard. Okay, so I'm pleased to have here with me on this podcast my colleague and good friend, Matt George. Hi, Lino. Thanks for having me. Great to see you, buddy. Matt, just this month I attended uh, part one and two of a three-part virtual workshop webinar hosted by several DSO district navigators, which, by the way, for those unfamiliar with the term DSO, this acronym stands for Developmental Services Ontario, an access agency under the Ministry of Children, Community, and Social Services in the province of Ontario, Canada. I will admit this was a very informative and well-designed DSO webinar and is based on a new DSO initiative, the DSO Housing Toolkit, which was originally released in 2019. At the very beginning of, of the seminar, the role of the district navigator w- was addressed. What I heard was that their role was explained as follows, to provide hope and encouragement to parents registered with DSO waiting for housing with supports in place, to communicate the fact that there is no more new housing project to be funded by the current Ontario provincial government, to provide a sense of realism. I presume this statement relates to parents believing that somewhere or somehow there will be government-funded housing option in the very near future, and to provide access to a number of resources. So what is the government's message here? Here's what I believe is the message to parents like myself caring for our loved ones with developmental disabilities. If you are stressed and aging and waiting for your adult son or daughter with IDD, who is also aging, (laughs) to transition to independent living, you might want to consider taking responsibility and control and following the DSO's six steps to establish a parent-initiated group home model. Yeah, Leno, I see that there are six steps intricately laid out in the DSO Housing Toolkit. Uh, If you were to Google uh, the DSO Housing Toolkit, it should bring you to the six steps. Uh, So let's go over some of these steps. Uh, Step one, exploring and understanding housing needs and wants and creating your housing plan. Step two, reviewing housing options and locations. Step three, financing the plan. That's a big one. (laughs) Yeah. Step four, managing housing supports. Step five, building a plan that will support change. Step six, learning from others. Now, you know, as I read into these steps, Lino, I mean, all of these steps are quite involved mm-hmm. and may take months and sometimes years to fully complete all six steps. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, what is more important to note is that not all parents have the capacity, experience, or have the financing to face this challenge. I tend to agree with you, buddy. Mm. Let's revisit how things were years ago. DSO's function historically was to distribute funding as mandated by the Ministry of Children, Community, and Social Services. In fact, they're providing a community agencies with the funding necessary for the purchase, rental, and administration of real estate properties, they call assets, that were used to house individuals with developmental disabilities that were on a provincial wait list for housing and support. 
Now, this type of funding all stopped a few years ago. By this, I mean the ministry could no longer provide any new funding to the community agencies for housing and or supports. Yeah, my thought is that the growing provincial house wait list is at a critical stage, deemed to be in the tens of thousands. Yep. And, the, and the escalating cost of real estate most likely had a lot to do with the sudden change in policy. Yep, and the DSO seminar that I attended, Matt, was interesting, yet unsettling, as it appears to be a glimpse into the shift of direction the government is taking. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to leave our listeners and the families caring for their loved ones with intellectual and developmental disabilities to determine if, in fact, they're seeing a shift in policy towards moving the responsibility of funding and creating a supportive home mm-hmm. from a government-funded program to the family themselves. All right. In this podcast, we can only provide some nuggets of information for our listeners to digest. Every point here will and should raise some concerns and questions from the parents currently caring for their adult son or daughter with a developmental disability preparing to transition to independent living. It is only natural to have concerns. I know I have. After all, who is better equipped to understand the needs of their adult with developmental disabilities Mm -hmm. than the parent? Mm -hmm. Our timeline is obviously getting smaller and smaller. You know what? Every day our concerns seem to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, I've been listening to your message today, and this does give rise to many questions and concerns. Uh, For example, should control of supportive housing shift from the government to the parent caring for the individuals with IDD? Um, Should the role of the Ministry of Children, Community, and Social Services default to providing hope and encouragement? How much more can we pile on the shoulders of the parents or caregivers most likely on a shoestring budget, considering that the economy has been extremely impacted negatively by this horrific pandemic and the skyrocketing cost of housing. Even if you were to accept a shift in policy, does a self-funded family group model truly reduce the thousands of individuals with IDD from the lengthy housing waitlist? How many homes will this require? What happens when the dynamics of the self-funded family model change? For example, when there's a death of a parent who is self-funding this model. Is this self-funded model sustainable? Well said, Matt. So in conclusion, it appears that the pendulum has swung from the extreme left represented historically by the government providing funding to community agencies for housing and supports to the extreme right, where the responsibility of funding, managing, and sustaining the group home model shifts, what, 100% of the parents caring for loved ones with IDD. (laughs) Yeah. Perhaps we need a different approach. Why don't we meet halfway? A collaboration of sorts that would include involvement of government funding, parental support mechanisms, and community agency involvement. Mm. Further to this ideology, you know, our organization, Cripple Foundation, other like-minded nonprofit housing organizations support the Merck, you know, the multi-unit residential community model. The Mm -hmm. Merck is a progressive housing solution on a grander scale, no doubt with a community focus that does address all the components that families caring for individuals with IDD desire, such as inclusivity, interaction, independence, safety, and a system of proper supports with a focus on community engagement. Mm. The Merck model and all of its attributes working in tandem will ensure that the continuance of the quality of life the primary caregiver envisions and desires for their adult loved ones with IDD. Thank you, Matt, for joining me today and for your comments. <laughs> Thanks, Lino. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about our next podcast that we'll be streaming in the last week of November. Our guest will be my good friend, Mr. Brian Keshen, President and CEO of RENA.
Arena is a nonprofit organization that promotes dignity, individuality, independence, personal growth, and community inclusion for people with diverse abilities within a framework of Jewish culture. I can honestly say, as a parent caring for an adult with intellectual and developmental disabilities, that they have all the attributes we have discussed over our many podcasts. I remember visiting Rena. It, it was quite impressive. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So this podcast and previous episodes are posted on both our websites, cribwolf-foundation.com and cribwolftalks.com. If you have a comment or want to share your story or be a guest on our podcast, send us an email to info at cribwolf.com. Again, this is Lino Farah, host of Crib Wolf Talks. Have a great day and stay safe.